1: Hi, I'm Leon from Nottingham, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if we stop paying our national debt, what could our creditors actually do? Okay, now on to the show, and remember to question everything. Everything. Hello everybody and welcome to Dane Baptiste's Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste. My producer friend Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests posed the questions that need to be asked and we're talking everything from...
0: We are talking everything from Leon from Nottingham's question. If we stopped paying our national debt, what could our creditors actually do? Dane... Um, Just aware that we have to get to the guest. It's quite a big one. I'll give you 60 seconds, Dane. Go on.
1: (laughs) Um, I think it's a really good question, Leon. And it's one I ask myself all the time. And I would say the answer is, I would love to find out. Go and suck some blood elsewhere, you bastards. Exactly. I'm down for it. If you're down for it, Leon, it just takes a few good people to revolt. That's how revolution, that's how progressive change begins with one person being like why is it this way?
0: That is so, a damn fine answer and it's a bloody good question and on this show we ask and answer all the questions, don't we Dave?
1: Absolutely, no question is too conformist or too rebellious and no question is too revolutionary so if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or you can subscribe to us on ACAST, the world's biggest podcast network where you can hit all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests with that being said on today's show is a stand-up comedian actor and writer she's one of the UK's most respected stand-up comedians with a series of stunning shows at the Edinburgh Festival earning her rave reviews her TV and credits include Russell Howard, Stand Up Central, The Apprentice, You're Fired, Mock the Week, As Yet Untitled, Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Drunk History, and People Just Do Nothing. She has uh, a regular in that role, as well as including credits for appearing on the UK office. Her new Edinburgh show, Sexy Brain, is described as a study in trying to see all sides of every argument and driving yourself slowly mad in the process. Please welcome to the show also the host and creator of one of the best new material nights in the whole of UK comedy, Old Rope. If you don't know, get to know it's Ms. Tiff Stevenson.
2: Hey, thank you. I love the uh, props. (laughs) Thank
1: you. No, props, I mean, how do I say we tried to operate a podcast florist here? So before we even get into any conversation, we let people know who we're dealing with. We build that pedestal. We adorn it with petals and gems. And then we elevate the people to the status we think they deserve, Tiff. And you are no different. How is it going?
2: Good. Not too bad. I have, I have fired up. This is going to sound posh. Mm. I do want to talk about class, but then I will undercut it immediately. Just this morning, I got up and switched on the hot tub. I'm trying to monitor how much it's going <laughs> to cost me. honestly. Uh, but I will undercut this with, it's A, inflatable, yeah. B, in my rental property, and C, basically, it's a piece of concrete just outside the A406. Right. So that just, like, undercuts <laughs> any kind of, like, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, no, It means we have got aspiration. That's, that, yeah, yeah. that's the best way to go, Tiff. What that means, that's somebody who will find a classy way to enjoy themselves whatever resources they have
2: Mm. i got it i got it like during lockdown the first year i got it in 2020 and it's been like um i mean it's been a godsend really because we just like have that little bit of garden so i was able to sit outside in it at night and feel (laughs) transported so um it is basically just like taking a bath outside (laughs) But I sort of enjoy it.
0: We've met yeah. a few times, Tiff, and I have to say, we are very different people. Uh, you, I, I, there is no scenario where I end up with a hot tub in my life. I, I respect you for it, but you know, yeah, we're very. I, I
1: encourage it.
2: If you don't see a, just go to Tesco's because they're on sale at the moment. Actually, in Tesco's, there's 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 one that's like kind of like half the price. So you know, it's in... Infl- but my main concern is going to be the cost of sort of running it. So I sort of switch it off. And then switch it on during the day to try and get it to, to heat up and stuff. Because I wanted to go in it last night and it had been switched off for three days. And I was like, oh yeah, if I just want to sit in cold water outside, cold bubbly water, <laughs> I can. But I can't. Um... Yeah. So yeah, so that's my my little sort of adventures into attempts to be middle class. Mm-hmm. But like I say, as soon as... Me and Carl Donnelly both got, got one during the first lockdown. Nice. <laughs> like,
1: lockdown. Like right.
2: We fancy ourselves as being... Socially mobile, but then also acknowledging that we were just in a piece of blow-up wow. plastic. But, is it,
1: but really, what is any bath, Tiff? And isn't any bath just a receptacle filled with water, whether it's a hot bath, whether it's a hot tub? At the end of the day, it's always just going to be, you know, where you're at, I suppose. I mean, also, on the one hand, a hot tub is considered to be high class, but at the same time, people think that, you know, being in water outside of your home would be lower class. The point is, you don't let anyone dictate who you are, Tip. If you want to buy an inflatable hot tub, you do it. And also to me, all I heard was portable hot tub. That means the hot, the high class pipe can start anywhere.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's, Maybe that's I should it bring it up to Edinburgh Fringe.
1: This is it. I, probably, you know? I could
2: probably rent it as accommodation, to be
1: yeah. honest. Yeah. There you go. Or a venue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now,
2: I did do an old rope live from the hot tub during lockdown. Me and Carl, just from our hot tubs, oh. just did like a live This is what I
1: mean. I'm thinking with
2: the amount, the the price of accommodation this year. Someone told me the other day they saw an apartment, a one-bedroom sort of place up at the Fringe, and it was uh, with an acknowledged mouse problem.
1: Yep. That was in the
2: write-up. It was like, we've got... all
1: the flats in Edinburgh.
2: Yeah, we've got them at £7,000. Oh,
1: well, that sounds...
0: One
2: month. Yeah, this is where we're at with the price of things. So, Was it an
1: actual... Laboratory that would make sense with the mouse problem. <laughs> actually, this is a laboratory where we're doing research, and that's why there's mice. That's why, yeah, yeah said, we're why doing
2: them. gene therapy and stuff yeah, here. That that so that's why it's 7,000 pounds. Yeah, no, 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 10, no, 000. just just for a, a little
0: mouse hotel. Well, it's um, probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane? As the format of this
1: show dictates, absolutely, Mr. Stevenson. As our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you like about any topic you like, which we can discuss for 15 minutes or so. And then Howard, uh, the hizzer here, would like to pose a question to you, which we discuss for 15 minutes. And then me recycling my old material, I'm going to pose you a question, which we can discuss for 15 minutes or some change. And then we would love if you could tell our listeners where we can find out about your good works, past, present and future. How does that sound?
2: That sounds fantastic.
1: Well, the floor is yours. Uh, Please do uh, ask the first question.
2: So I've been thinking about this a lot recently. So that's why I'm prefacing it with this, because I wrote an article on free speech. Um, But are we too obsessed with left and right-wing comedy when what we should be focusing on is class and class analysis?
0: Mm. Give us a little flavour of the context of your article and what your kind of process was a little bit.
2: Well, this free speech sort of conversation comes up, I feel like at least once a year it rears its head, it's thorny, everyone gets stuck into it again. And more recently it's being framed as woke or Mm unwoke, like which is a a bizarre framing... For example, last year I was asked to provide a joke in response to something John Cleese had said for a radio show. And they were like, can Tiffany provide a woke joke? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. What are you talking about? Like, I like do stories, routines and material that I think are from like a kind of balanced, nuanced viewpoint. And you're asking me to provide. So I just sort of said no. But I was like, is this the new framing now? And why are we so obsessed with like left and right wing comedy? And there's articles and articles written about this kind of saying you know, there's too much There's too much left-wing comedy on TV. We need some right-wing comedy to balance it out. And our obsession around that, as opposed, which it, I think is artistically bereft and uninteresting, by the way. Yeah. And I think it's much more interesting to, to talk about class and focus on class, especially as I've just been talking about the Edinburgh Fringe and how people are being priced out of that. Yeah. Like, I had a conversation with the, with, I did a radio show with one of the, the heads of the fringe. And they were like, well, it is easier now because you have the free fringe. And I was like, it's still six to 10,000 pounds. People have got to think about
1: spending. Yeah, free, free fringe, you're still spending money on advertising to have a listing in the uh, brochure. You're still paying for any uh, flyers. You're still paying for your accommodation. You're still paying for travel. food while you're there as well. you travel there as well. And this is why you're probably doing this where for most adult comics who aren't studying or aren't in the teaching profession are taking an annual leave off. So they're probably not been able to work and losing money from the money they're not earning from their salary. So there are expenses. There's also the expense of if you have a family, you're paying for childcare perhaps uh, while you're leaving or at least supplementing your uh, rent or mortgage while you're at the fringe, as well as paying for accommodation, being at the fringe. So even with free fringe, it definitely costs.
2: Right, right. So so I feel like, and I feel like especially with like uh, union strikes and everything happening at the moment, I just saw today which was, I couldn't get my head around it, that 1T call centres,
1: yeah, a set of the up a
2: food pantry. Yeah. Like, how about just pay people properly? This is like, what have we become? So, and I feel like this left and right wing to try and kind of pose, like surely even, even people on the right wing believe people should be able to afford to eat when they're working their jobs and they're like, let, let alone us getting into benefits and everything else. It's the
1: point of having a fucking job. <laughs> this,
2: yeah, that's the point yeah.
1: is that I can afford to eat. Like, for employers who, or anyone who's ever conducted an interview and ask somebody what their motivations are for having a job, knowing full well that you're also a human being in Western civilization, you're a fucking idiot, okay? Because <laughs> the answer is money to feed myself. You fucking yeah. idiot. When people go, "Why did you want to get this job here? Why did you want to work here as an account manager here at?" churchill insurance because i want to be able to fucking feed myself and pay my rent that's the reason why most people take jobs food and shelter (laughs) yeah food and shelter so to even ask that question is fucking asinine in the first place but it's it's a really good question tiff and to be honest is for me like i said it does reflect the uh artistic bankruptcy or creative bankruptcy we are seeing in media in general and i think a large part of that is because of the fact that art itself has been annexed and co-opted by commercial or capitalist interests So now you're dealing with uh, sharing this space with uh, influencers and the whole idea of influencing as well as creativity. Because, well, I've always I've always said that, you know, comedy and one of why it's so effective as an art form is that it's an honest form of politics. But one of the reasons why it's been such an honest form of politics is that you are able to deliver comedy or perform it apolitically so you can give your perspective and people might be able to glean whether it's left or right wing leanings or be able to kind of see what point at which your narrative exists on the bipartisan um, spectrum. But no one's, I've never really seen anyone who could be wholly liberal and wholly conservative. Especially because for a start, if you're a comedian in show business, it's a solitary art form, you want to do well and a lot of time if one person does well, it means, you know, only one person can be on stage and enjoy a particular spot, which means there is an element of individualism to performing stand-up comedy anyway, especially if you have to enter into a competition. That being said, nowadays you find comedians now who are prefacing the work they do by their political identification rather than their actual performance. And I myself personally, am very suspicious of comedians who make a very contrived effort to say, I'm lefty or I'm, I'm right-wing because it's like the audience should be able to be the judge of that. In the same way that I shouldn't have to go on stage and be like, I'm a feminist. If my material and my delivery of my material is feminist in nature, people will be able to work that out. I feel a lot of the time when someone feels the need to announce, don't worry, I'm not racist, is a lot more suspicious. The way I said, nothing. Because when you are answering a question that nobody asked, that to me speaks of insecurity. It's like nail on the head's kind
0: of delivery of that answer there day, mate. Like, yeah. Really, you're spot on.
1: And then so far as the discussion of class, well, that uh, part of your question, Tiffany, is more uh, reflective of the fact that as a true observational comedian, you probably see what the true uh, division is socially right now is between have and have not. So, and I t- completely agree with that. I feel like the issue we're dealing with now as in class is... We are still dealing with a populace at large who refuse to uh, acknowledge that their finance and banking industry has plunged them into abject poverty, the likes of which we've not seen maybe since Dickensian times following uh, the banking crash of like 2008. And so what you have now are uh, companies, particularly companies that are involved in data capture and data analysis and also the sale of data, who have been employed by uh, banking interests and other commercial interests to stoke these uh, political divisions um, to the point where the further divided people are, the easier the conquest can be. Because as you said correctly, I think even someone who does hold conservative beliefs and doesn't believe in a welfare state understands that at the very basic level, the idea of you being remunerated for your work is that you are able to feed and shelter yourselves. So this very basic need, basic human need, right at the bottom level, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs in business uh, theory, if you can't feed yourself, what is even the point in working?
2: And I totally agree with what you say about stating it. I always feel like if you have to state what the themes of your comedy are, you've failed. Yeah. They should be inherent in your performance, in your jokes. Um, and that's interesting to, to me. And I guess sometimes it's for brevity. I guess it's for sometimes, you know, when people... Want to write about Edinburgh shows, and they want to do things. They go ten shows about this, ten shows about feminism. 10 sh-, you know, and you're like, okay, how about you just come see the show
1: where exactly. I'm giving my
2: ideas and opinions, and you will get you'll get a sense.
1: The subjectivity of comedy means that the someone's interpretation or experience with these same ideologies is never going to be the same. There's a, there are a number of different tenets of feminism as a at large egalitarian ideology, which is going to be uh, very different for someone who's experiencing feminism as a, a black woman versus experiencing feminism as a woman who is a muslim and there's a difference between both race and religious belief so there but there may be some intersectionality there there's a different experience when you are a mother of feminism there's a different experience where you know you maybe have transitioned as well because we've had uh, trans women on the podcast as well so each one of these people feminism obviously is very pertinent to their existence but their experience of it is going to vary so but this is the thing is that what that it makes clear to me is that when you are seeing this contrived effort to uh, categorize comedy, I think it's always for commercial purposes. And this is where we're seeing so much of this nomenclature and identity politics come up because this is how people are able to be stratified for marketing. So it's like, if this is what you're into, and once people are aware that you may look at a particular article and be like, oh, I want to look at a feminist uh, comic, then they're like, oh, we'll save those cookies from said Surge and then we're able to sell to you easier. So there is this way that now, uh, particularly digital uh, commerce is trying to stratify all of us under the supposition that because, you know, as a cisgender white woman and me being a heterosexual black man, well, we both love comedy and there are probably a lot of comedians and shows that we both enjoy together. But based on that political identification, we'd be separated and marketed too differently and forced to thrive or have discourse in separate echo chambers, despite the fact that there's definitely going to be some commonality between us. Because they're both comedians who enjoy the art form of comedy. And so all of the additional likes and interests that go with that, there'd be an intersectionality there. But because digital commerce doesn't really work that way, the idea is that you and I could never see the world in the same way. And that's the problem, because the idea of art is that we are making something to make human consciousness more tangible to other people who don't understand. And we can't read minds and we can't. And that's how art is supposed to work. And I think yeah, it's a real issue nowadays. Is where this need for comedians, all, well, and and not just in comedy because like I said comedy is an honest form of politics because it does really reflect social trends. Where it's like everyone now prefaces what makes them an individual as opposed to what it is about their humanity that makes them like the rest of humanity. Everyone right. is always declaring well, we'll we're sort of
2: labelling ourselves like we're produce that's yeah. about to go off. Like and 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 I don't know that that is helpful i guess and then that's where i see corporations kind of come in and you see it around you'll see it it'll happen you know like pride month yeah you know you'll see the rainbow cups pride I saw month, one- blm
1: women's day um yeah you know one thing i've discussed in this podcast a number of times is the fact that halloween is no longer is basically the most manufactured holiday i've ever seen because nothing that happens in halloween now has to do with the occult like people dress up like marvel characters during halloween and even when people dress up like characters linked to, I suppose, horror, their idea is still based on an intellectual property from Hollywood, which means essentially Halloween is just a celebration of, of merchandising.
2: It becomes another Hallmark Day.
1: Yeah, it's just merchandising. If you buy a screen mask, well, the people that own the intellectual property, they get paid. And if you're buying a Jason or Freddy mask, they still get paid, or Marvel. So every single time these things come up, it's just another... the way. Even where you've seen this resurgence or even the rise in popularity of cosplay and having adults doing fancy dress more than one day of the year. Me- it's really showing that, you know, how much control these uh, media institutions have over human imagination nowadays.
0: It's one of the most interesting questions I think we've been asked on this show for, you know, yeah. in, in its 150 plus episodes, Tiff. Congratulations. Oh, well, yeah. I would definitely say it's up there, right, Dane? It's multi-layered, <laughs> yeah. multi-faceted kind of elements to it across like... It's a
1: question that a real comedian would ask, yeah, not... Yeah. not- Trying to quantify along bipartisan lines, not trying to think about like separating stuff. It's just a thought from someone's mind. That's how comedy is supposed to work, just thinking like an yeah. individual.
0: I kind of lean to the kind of thought, Dane, that, uh, and I, I mean this obviously with love to the question and, and, and the universe, but like if I was to kind of nutshell what I'm thinking about it, it just, I've got, we've got to stop getting people to care, desperate need for acceptance about everything they do from everybody on the planet. I don't want that. I like the fact that you might not like the things that I think about. <laughs> like, I don't want everyone to like it. Otherwise, how? If everyone liked everything and everything was accepted, then we just end up in a fucking. It just, it just wouldn't make. Nothing would make any sense. Like, you've got to rub people up the wrong way a little bit, and you've got to have ideas that bash against each other. That's existence, isn't it? And
1: well, yeah, there's a reason why there's two hemispheres of the brain. So obviously, there is that kind of balance, and there. And also, there's a reason why there's two poles of uh, of attraction as well, or positive and negative. There's a reason why your body has like protons and electrons to make up atomic structure. But how is, is it's an interesting point you make as well about like knowing that not having to have everything liked by everybody. And again, we've kind of alluded to this on this podcast before, Tiff, is that like, I think it's, it's philosophically speaking now, it's human beings have always wanted like the power of a God. And the power of a God is to like be all-knowing, so omniscient, all-present, uh, omnipresent, and uh, yeah, omnipotent and all-powerful. And social media has given us that to an extent in that we can now see what people think of us when normally you wouldn't know. And because people have anonymity, they can say stuff they wouldn't normally say to your face. They wouldn't even dare heckle to you, but now they can say it. So now you're getting more of an insight into people who are now not having to be limited by social etiquette or having a filter. The other problem is is that social media is me- measured quantitatively in that if there's a higher number, it means something's more popular, which is not really how art works. Because <laughs> you and I can look at something different and be like- art look and
2: at, algorithms yeah, are not happy they best don't, they, don't, they don't
1: work together because we can look at something and be like, this is shit. But because we look at it, it's generated a view. Now, yeah. the way that commerce works is that because it's got a high view and it means by the numbers being higher, advertisers are able to have a larger surface area to advertise upon. But what that means is that it doesn't matter how mor- morally objectionable something is or how deplorable it is. Or even if something's just shit and just pandering, if it has a higher number, it's supposed to be enjoyed more by people. And that's not the way art has ever worked. When I was growing up, the person who sold the most records didn't make them the best artist. It was just that they just probably had the best marketing team behind them. But that's now online where like, you can be have you a terrible singer or you can make take something horrible and you'll say it just to generate numbers because this is all driven by capitalism. And even capitalism even put people in place of artists masquerading as us Who say stuff like everyone's got 24 hours in the same day to do the (laughs) same, to do the same job. When the fact that you require people to follow your every move means if we all used our 24 hours effectively, you wouldn't even have a career. Your career depends upon the idolists of people and the need to project and people's need to aspire towards this kind of like class as well. And yeah, it's, it's worrying now because like I said, it's weird to have comedians using terms like woke and being able to slip into these conformist attitudes where they speak like the rest of society. And really, is that down to the fact that because within social media, everyone can be a critic or a comedian? Yeah. And it makes our job a lot harder to be distinguishable, I guess.
2: Yeah. It it, do, it does feel easier not knowing when yeah. people don't like it and, and going out and going, I'm going to do the show. And the show that's live exists in that moment and in the room I know and I feel it and we have these moments Yeah. and they are about human connection they're about you know hopefully making you laugh maybe making you think maybe making you think about something in a different way but of expressing what it is to be human like in its highest like kind of going aren't we all yeah don't we all just think we're pieces of shit that's so, much, yeah, much some, more yeah, you know? sometimes
1: exactly sometimes we think <laughs> of this as shit sometimes we think we're great the idea sometimes, is that these yeah. things come in crests and waves and I guess we're just trying to navigate it or show the path that we've gone over, or you know,
2: yep. as close to philosophy as like I've sort of had this row before, but like I think, um, you know, comedians are philosophers in that sense, you know, wow. some are, um, but, well, yeah, well, yes, like, but, but,
1: but, but,
2: <laughs> but you know, there's moral relativity mm. in it, I guess, yeah. so that's what you're sort of, sort of exploring oh, as a comedian, yeah. um, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I really do think that. I think kind of dropping this idea of what's left and right, and then kind of like being able to have like kind of nuanced discussion is, and I suppose social media doesn't serve that as well. Yeah. I am obviously aware that social media the algorithm rewards like a very kind of like extreme point either way. Yeah, and then people get involved. It's with the, literally in designed point.
0: to do that, and uh, and we're trapped.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, but, well we're tra- We're trapped if we choose to be led by an yeah. algorithm because an algorithm is like. The algorithm is, is like the equivalent of, you know, someone who's learnt a very classical way of playing a particular song yeah, and is yeah. not able to innovate and discover new notes or new pitches or we can change still, the... We can
0: still play jazz, Dan. Yeah, we am- can still amplitude play jazz, of
1: mate. Yeah, can't change the amplitude of frequencies. Absolutely, yeah. Howard. We can still play jazz is a great way of putting
0: that's the, it. That's actually <laughs> Pine and Dane's new album, uh, which we should yeah. promote, actually. Uh,
2: no, um... Well, you know, you know the, the sheer numbers of this, like you're saying, just because something has numbers doesn't mean it's popular, but... That's oftentimes how people who work in the media, t- film, TV, and et cetera, see it in this, in terms of this kind of thinking. And when you go on something like, um, I guess when you go on something like TikTok, there's someone on there, a singer on there. And I looked and I was just, they had something like 100 million followers. Mm. And I was like, I just can't comprehend,
0: mm.
2: like, how you know? Yes, that's a lot of people, but are they people who are actively engaging in the work, or are they people just following on here? Are they you know exactly? Um, so we've become obsessed with I think as well in the industry with like viewing things in these sort of terms, and I think TikTok can be can be great for lots of things, mm-hmm. but there is also this kind of idea that you you know that that numbers, like you say, numbers mean it means more it means it's better
0: yeah it's yeah. just not um, that clear and look you know we could talk about this one all day but we're gonna to have to move on to another question Ooh, but yeah uh tiff top question top, top, top question. question bringing bravo
2: can i put that on my edinburgh poster uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, question, I'll, yeah I'll, question.
0: I'll write it up for you top five. yeah yeah top five
2: questions yeah, yeah thank it's, you. it's
0: definitely in there i'm not going to compare you right now but i'll i'll work out where you are and i'll, I'll let you know in an email To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So my question is actually based around the name of your new show, Tiff. What's it called?
2: Sexy Brain.
0: Sexy Brain. <laughs> Sexy Brain. I, I I really enjoyed that. I, I read I read that. I was like, good name. Good bloody name. Uh, And very interesting show. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear a bit more about that later. But my question to you two is this. What are the reasons in your life that you found people attractive? Uh, Because I don't think this is what your show's about, but the word sexy brain made me think about being like, oh, I was attracted to someone because of the... Part of their brain. That's made me think about all the people I've been attracted to in my life and what made me attracted to them. Sometimes it was physical, obviously, but a lot of the time it's more than that. So, what in your life have you found has made you attracted to people? Tiff, I reckon you got a big smile on your face. <laughs> Only
2: just because when you were saying my brain or attracted to a brain, there's a word for that. Is it sapiosexual? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Right. So when you're attracted to someone's brain, so you like my slimy. I was going to say pink matter, but it's gray. My slimy gray matter. Um, But um, it's interesting. The best kind of gray,
1: though. That's a warm gray.
2: (laughs) I find it easier to distinguish. It's really, it's a good question, because I find it easier to distinguish what I don't find attractive than (laughs) sometimes there's kind of magic hormones in what I do find attractive. Like, I know Mm. I don't find attractive, like, once on a date, a guy, it was like our first date, um, and we'd gone back to his for a drink, and he seren- serenaded me. He sung a you a song? So you, with a song. And if you've ever been on the receiving end, that's the most excruciating. <laughs> My vagina <laughs> Yeah, it's. I was it's, like, this is. Uh... This is yeah. horrific. And also, I was like, when is it going to end? Because he went into the chorus and then went for a second verse. And no. I was like, good God. It's like, it's, like,
1: it's like firing sawdust right inside of you. That's...
2: Yeah. Close <laughs> <yes. laughs> for business for the foreseeable, yeah, because- you know. <laughs> the fact
0: uh, he thought that was going to arouse you is the most fascinating that's- element. That yeah. is the str- that is not, that's not the strum.
1: You need to be strumming, good sir. That is not <laughs> yeah, the strum.
2: Yeah, yeah, strum elsewhere. I mean, I think as well, I don't even know that it was a case of You know, and this is my fault for early doors dating lots of, like, actors and actor types. I don't even know... That it was in order to turn me on. I think it's an opportunity to show off. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Like
2: yeah. you know, sometimes performers, if they haven't had a chance to perform, they're going to take they're going to take <laughs> that opportunity. Right?
1: Being a woman I is all- so hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so. I, hard. I also had someone show me their show reel once when I went back to their
1: house. Oh my like, god, the <laughs> <a> show <laughs> reel, yes. um, the trauma, the pure traumativity. Yeah. Uh, no! And the thing is, is because. Because I completely believe you. <laughs> I completely <laughs> believe you. I had a friend who told me that a guy, another actor, brought her back to a place and proceeded to do a Scarface scene. Fuck and he off. was not auditioning for Scarface, not for a Scarface I, I remake. I can't believe not for a that, Scar- Howard. <laughs> you believe me, don't you? Tim? I believe you. Yes, I believe I, you. I, yeah. I'm, wow. I'm
2: playing my finger because the cringe is, I don't know what else to do with the cringe. Yeah. I Good. absolutely <laughs> believe that. I believe it from the pe- the actors that. Just when I was starting stand up, would do entire chunks of Bill Hicks at me, no. yeah. like, and assume that they could do stand up because they'd watched a couple of Bill Hicks uh, DVDs. So I'm just, I, I absolutely. That's so. That's what I don't find attractive. So, like, it's I have, almost more I important
0: in some ways, isn't it? Really. If yeah,
2: I don't have a particular type. All the men that I've sort of gone out with over the years are very different. Oh, yeah, so, um, it's about. I think it's more about an energy Mm. for example with paul there's something very interesting with paul because so my boy sorry fiance got engaged he'll be excited when he finds out as well Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah so but we've been together god like coming up on 15 years Mm. and um i would say with him what's very interesting he's very funny in a very different way to me he's very dry dour, and scottish but he's One of the things that's – and maybe this is what attracted me because other people comment on it. You you know, the big nights would be at Old Rope and people would be like – I'd see comedians sort of flock around Paul because he's very – very quiet, and he doesn't give away a huge amount. Right. And they'd be like, What does Paul think? What does Paul think about that? What does Paul think about that? And I'm like, Who gives a fuck what Paul thinks? Paul's <laughs> <Yeah>. on stage, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's again, it, it gave me a real lesson in like how needy we are. Oh. <laughs> like, like, sometimes saying less is more. Oh. So I think there's a secure, um,
0: He's, he sounds quite secure in his own skin. He's right? secure
2: in himself, and my dad said it. My dad has never given me a huge amount of advice about love or relationships or anything like that. But just before I met Paul, my dad said something to me up in Edinburgh that was like kind of so profound. I was like, "What's what is this?" Where he went, um, when you're with someone, when you when you're with a man, you need you need someone who knows themselves so well, is so secure, your light shines really bright. And you need someone who's, who's not afraid of that and is going to constantly try and challenge and step into it. You need someone who knows themselves so well that they're like, isn't it beautiful that she shines? Yeah. And I think that's who Paul is. So I think maybe his, him knowing himself, being fun, but also being not pushing himself constantly yeah, to the yeah, front, yeah. I think is something that I found attractive about wow, him. Wow, that's
0: a good, what a, that's a brilliant answer. It's a fascinating subject because I think so often when you think of what makes someone sexy or attractive to you, it is physical. We instantly work that bit out. It's not very I mean, hard. I there's that as well. But it's not very hard, to work, that. It's not hard to work <laughs> that bit out, no, is it? It's yes. like there is some components of this physical form that I find appealing. Now, that yeah. can work very differently for different people, and that's what makes kind of physical attraction quite a entertaining business and very simple business in some ways, comparatively to like, what do I like? Well, I'm going to stick around with this person. Like, you got to, it's got to be something here that's keeping you there, right, Dane? It's like, it's a, it's like a puzzle.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's definitely a puzzle. But one thing I learned, Howard, uh, as I've matured, is that while the initial attraction to somebody might be physical, it's it there is a limited amount of longevity in that. Oh yeah. And really, I began to learn that the focus is, particularly, obviously as a heterosexual man, how much do I enjoy this person's company after I've had sex? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's that's the main thing, and I think you know so much of the idea of attraction in terms of even the attraction or the parts of ourselves that we project to attract people, that's what people have to consider. So I guess, Howard, I don't really think about what I'm attracted to. I think more about refining what I have to offer because I do actually kind of think of Such like more of, attraction. What a gentleman kind I, of I think, I think, I, think it, I think it definitely works that way because, especially because I'd say most of the time women have a higher emotional intelligence than men because, and that's because they just nurture it a lot more. So, you know, women take the time to understand things and understand who somebody is outside of how they appear, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, someone, a a guy can be attractive, doesn't necessarily mean, or what we consider to be attractive. Like it might be a guy that goes to the gym a lot or spends a lot of time on his appearance. But if that person isn't, you know, worked on what makes them, you know, distinguished from other people, they may not have a lot of luck with women because women look past that a lot of the time. Like for example, Men, the idea of being like a chiseled adonis is suggested to us all the time. But if you speak to most women, they don't really care about that. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. They don't really care. It's not like they do to be slovenly or obese, but most women don't care if you're completely cut up to fuck and chiseled, have a chiseled body, because they understand emotionally that spending that much time working on your body means you probably haven't taken that much time to learn how to interact with other people. Work on your
2: personality. That's why when I'm like, don't send a dick pic. We don't date the dick. Yeah. We date the person. Yeah, or you <laughs> can send
1: a dick pic, but send a dick description is what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> a woman needs to know what happened or what you were thinking about that made your dick hard. So if you can say to her, you know, the smell of your perfume when we were at dinner last night and what you were wearing and the way it was A because your figure and the way you smiled and it was something you said, then once they have some context behind why your dick is hard in the first place, they can appreciate that. So it this is so for me it's kind of like, I suppose. That's one of the reasons, why. I mean, comedy has always been very effective in being an icebreaker and mm. establishing attraction to somebody. So I think I'm definitely attracted to somebody with a sense of humor in that respect, because oh, I feel matters, like massively,
0: right? If you yeah, can't yeah, ever laugh it, diffus- with someone, it diffuses right? the tension.
1: And I think obviously we find that whole idea of like romantic and sexual pursuit is awkward for everyone. So if you can kind of diffuse that tension by uh, laughter or making someone feel very relaxed without having to use any kind of weird pickup techniques or any kind of intoxicants, then. I think that can be attractive as well.
2: It's weird, isn't it? Because women, when you were saying about cut bodies, we don't, like, I would say women, and, I'm I, you know, there might be women who listen to you like, I disagree, but I, I think a lot of the time we look at faces. Yeah. Mm. Like, because that's the main, like, we're not, w- when are the times that we're seeing, and I think probably the reverse is true as well. You know, men are looking at, you know, yes, you might look at the shape of the body, but you are also the face is what you're engaging with in a, and, and Such you know, an some, interesting it's a wall church or yeah. chest or skinny chest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I got into a conversation with someone recently about this because they were having some love issues. Uh, and I was explaining that I had a period in my life where I was, as Dane knows, prolifically dating on the internet, 78 internet dates. I went to, to get to my wife, Tiff. Uh, yeah, quite a lot. Right. And, um, I used to get into a couple of rows with um, friends of mine who I'd be like, oh, there's this girl. And I've seen her a couple of times. You know, I don't really like her. And, and they were like, what? Look, what, what? And I'd be like, don't like her face. Like, I just kept saying, like, it happened a few times. I'd be like, don't like her face. Like, and now I have my dream face in my wife uh, that I completely understand that it did. For me, it was this certain smiley type of looking person. That is the person that I wanted to look at forever. Like, and it, and if it wasn't that those other people, which is fine, they hopefully found someone else. Then that was my thing, right? Like, that is one of my physical. But the face is more than a. It's more than a physical thing, right? It's a.
1: I suppose the eyes as well. With those yeah. to the soul, and so people and people and you know people can determine something about somebody by the way they look at them. Now, this is probably a problem I have because I can have quite a uh, very deadpan face. So, people could kind of feel like, <laughs> I don't think about anything. But, then, I, but I think that. a lot, But I think if people pay attention I like that though,
2: because I think people would go, oh, he's wry.
1: Yeah. I think I like that. It's not that it me like peacocking, but it's kind of like, I guess I'm brooding a lot. And I, I think yeah, a lot as I well. I think it's to do with the so, fact
0: that you are a guy that, and this is not to say it's about a woman needing help, it's more about saying in a partnership. You, you're a good guy to steer your boat by,
1: like I, you know. Yeah, you, I just, I, you, you know that's I'm always thinking. So, and that's and that's the thing. I, I think that's probably been a, an effective part of my personality in terms of uh, meeting uh, potential partners and stuff. Is that I'm not someone that women ever have to ask, "What am I thinking?" Because mm. I'm very, uh, I'm very overt about it, I'm very explicit about it, and I, actually, much to the ridicule of men. Like who would say that I'm effeminate, but I think it's fine to be able to discuss your feelings. I'd rather them be discussed and manifest another way. So hmm. like, you know, I've never been someone that's had to do any kind of negging um, yeah, of because I think those are all things that are indicative of insecurity. And also your partner is reflective of who you are. So like they said, why would you not want your partner to shine and not be able to reach their full human or spiritual potential? Because then they have you have the best version of that person. Yeah. and you know that's like an old basic like affirmation about like if you love someone let them go and yeah because you want that because people are supposed to be grow and be dynamic as well so I guess like I said that's why I, I tried to I always feel like and I guess it's, it might be because I grew up with like lots of sisters and stuff but and I always think to try and be the person you'd want someone in your family to bring home like mm. if they were bringing someone to meet their parents and that's not always where, like there's been times where I've had like arguments with exes and then their parents have like called me and told me off and I've been like, this is weird. I'm 35. But <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, I my pride can probably take that because it's like, if this is a part of the paradigm of your family where you're, they're so closely involved in your family that they get involved when you have arguments, I'll probably let it slide this time because it makes it easier for your family, stuff like that as well. Or like, you know, I've never really been someone who, like, for example, they never think, like, I had stories about my friends and stuff where say their girlfriend came over when they were younger, like teenagers, and they were getting very frisky, whatever, and their parents caught them, their mom would shout at their girlfriend or the girl they were with for being in their house. And that's so <laughs> fucking weird. Like, if I brought a girl to them to my house and my mom caught me in a compromising position, she's not going to blame the girl. Mm. She's going to be like, you brought her to the house and you're responsible. But there's a lot of people who are not taught this uh, accountability. Yeah. And I feel like that is a big issue with relationships as well. This is why I say, like, I think about more about what I have to offer rather than what I'm looking for, because... I can't really control the will of other people and I can't control people's minds. And also like, you know, everyone has a certain, particularly if it's a woman living in this society, she may have some sexual trauma. She's going to have some level of vulnerability at some element. Her self image is going to have to be questioned at some point. So it's more about giving people that breadth to let them know that I'll feel relaxed enough to either confide whatever insecurities they have and not weaponize those or, um, and I'm not perfect at it all the time, but at the same time, it's about you know even if it does get to that point, it's having the accountability and saying like I was completely wrong for saying that kind of thing. So I guess yeah, it's a good answer. Growth, it's a good is, answer.
2: growth is great. That's a really like where you yeah. were saying like leaving people room to to grow. I like to think because Paul and I will have been together yeah fifteen coming up on fifteen years, mm. and um, I like to think you know there's the, this kind of thing where your body, your cells renew every seven years. Yeah. So we're like on the third version of Paul and Tiff now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like every seven, I think, is that what the seven year itch is? Because every seven years, you, you it probably, know.
1: It probably is. I think there's a lot of truth in that, In that, you know, and the way to look at it is that you're getting a newer, improved version of Paul. And, yes. and this Paul will come with a previous understanding of, of Tiff. So it's just a whole new operating system. And I think it's about encouraging that as well. And uh, always giving people that space. Because I think, you know, relationship therapy, I think it's, it works. But I just think the reason why it prospers so much is because people are so afraid of communication, even if it's going to make them appear to be vulnerable or talk about their, their shortcomings. And as, as I say, like I said, um, I think it's very rare that you'll find most men in their 30s who are going to sit down with someone's parents nowadays and be like, this is my intentions for your daughter and this is why this is wrong. <laughs> but I still do that kind of shit because i got sisters as well. And I understand that like, how the relationship I have with somebody might be different to the one they have with their parents. But at the same time, I've seen exes, they struggle in life because the person they are presenting to their parents or their family is different to the person they're presenting to the world. Yeah, And right. I really feel like that's hard. If you're a certain way with a partner, but you have to hide who you are to your parents, there's always going to be a disconnect because you're changing. Whereas, the, which is the reason why, like, and particularly the line of work we're in, I really think that can be a problem because... I suppose, when people are like, oh, I'm with Dane and he's on TV, like, who people think you are on television Mm. could be very different to the person they're meeting. And I've had to kind of learn and be like, well, I just think I'm a normal boyfriend meeting someone's family not realising they've already built up in their head who they think you are. And that can also make people very defensive as well. And and this is like a weird tangent to go on, but I say, I'm I'm just attracted to, I'm obviously, physical is part of it, but I always find, like, you know, someone who they are much more attractive than what they are. So, Mm. like, I find it very funny that a lot of men are attracted to funny women. I can't think of anything better because... <laughs> yeah. Why would it? It's, it's a sign of intelligence. Are they, intell- not? It's a, it's are a, they a,
2: not? I get some weird DMs, Dane.
1: Yeah, from the From weird weirdos. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but there are a lot of men who, who like, when guys are not find women funny, what they really mean is that the idea that a woman can return the ridicule that I can give her, yeah. I find that yeah. scary. And that's what the truth is a lot of the times that men feel they can neg women, but then they feel if she can jab back, a lot of men don't like that kind of um, leverage. And so, whereas... Yeah. Me, I encourage it because, like I said, long term, it's like if you are forming a partnership with somebody who will be joining you in the task of ensuring that you're you're able to reproduce or continue your family, then you want them to have the same skills that you have, so they can pass them on to your kids. So we
0: uh, we would be interested to hear from our listeners. What do you yeah. think makes people attractive, other than I, the physical? Exactly. side but of I, I think
1: I should be succinct in saying, Howard, that like I am attracted to different people all for different reasons. The, my partner now is attractive for a number of reasons which will be very different to previous people I've been with because, again, I think that comparison can be the thief yeah, yeah. of joy. Of so yeah, yeah. what makes that person particularly special and what makes that experience of that person special should always be uh, nuanced compared to other people. Well
0: said. Like and um, we've just got time for one more question, Dane's question, having gone from two very different questions. What have you got up your sleeve, Dane.
1: Well, I'll try and keep it as uh, concise as possible. Uh, Obviously, Tiffany, I've worked a number of times and one of the great things about you, as well as your accolades, is that you're always uh, very outspoken about quality and justice, uh, particularly uh, outspoken in terms of uh, gender politics and uh, providing a fair space uh, for women to perform comedy and just to perform in general. Obviously, the pandemic and all of us being at home led to a lot of conversations taking place about these, uh, about inconsistencies in our industry. And um, obviously now we're kind of almost back to normal-ish. Um, so I'm sure in, you're seeing a lot of newer comics coming up. So I just want to ask, basically, as a woman in comedy, who obviously, just by the merit being a woman in comedy, as a trailblazer.
2: Thanks. <laughs> do, uh,
1: to some of the newer women coming into comedy, what advice would you give them and uh, what, ex- what experiences would that advice be based on? If you were to tell them maybe... Uh, it's a
0: good question.
1: Three things that they need to know to do comedy. Ooh,
2: three things, okay. Um, and
1: this here, patriarchal capitalist society. I
2: think the landscape has changed hugely.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want to say it's finished because I'm very wary of, and I've, I've been the person going, what? Like s- Someone can do very well. A female comic can do very well. And then all of a sudden they're like, "It's fine, it's fixed," and it's like, just because you are yeah. doing well doesn't mean that everyone, you know. So like you can't do. There I'm, is.
1: I'm all right, Jacqueline. I guess is the equivalent. Yeah. I'm all
2: right, Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Jacqueline. <laughs> Bloody Jacqueline.
1: Um,
2: yeah. So you know, effectively, a rising tide does lift all boats, and that so so in many, I'm seeing, I'm seeing huge changes in terms of like. How women are viewed now in terms of of getting booked and and sort of stuff like that. I think like the safety aspects and stuff. When I when when I started out, one of my big things, and this would be outside of comedy as well, um, but very important for comedy, women learn to drive. Yeah. learn to drive is one of the biggest life skills that you can ever have. So that would be one of my three things. It's so important. I think it's a feminist issue. You never know when you need the ability. I'm telling you, if you have, if you can drive and if you have a car, not everyone can afford a car. I get that. Uh, but you can maybe get zip car, you know, like, yeah. but, but having that, having if you the go, ability, if you, got license,
1: you can get a moped. Sometimes that could even make exactly, a
2: difference. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, there's times in a woman's life where she may need to leave. She may need to leave in the middle of the night. She may need to get away. You may need to drive. We may enter the apocalypse. Driving will be a useful skill uh, when we enter Walking Dead terrain. But also for for stand-up, for doing shows, honestly, learn to drive. Then you don't have to accept lifts with people that you don't know. And and, uh, I had a lot of people who were good to me when I first started comedy, but I was driving. I remember once... Um, doing a a mirth control gig very early on. I think I drove Christian Riley and he gave me nearly all of the petrol money. I mean, because I wasn't getting paid anything. We've gone to Exeter. Mm. And one of the other comics in the car went, well, no, I'm going to be out of pocket then. I'm not giving you money for petrol. So I just left him at the side of a motorway. I was nice. like, get yourself home from there. Thanks, pal. Um, nice. <laughs> but, um, but so, and, and people so like Lucy say he's Porter. he's still walking
1: home. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think so. Um, I remember Lucy, I was doing a gig once with Lucy Porter and uh, someone tried, like, they were like, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not paying Tiff. I think it was, it was actually a funny women gig. It was when I first started out, I think. And then Lucy Porter gave me half her money. So, like, stuff like that where, like, people, uh, when you're starting, I th- I do think people can be generally quite supportive. And so I try and return the favour now. Like, I remember being an open spot at the comedy store and then going for fries and burgers and who- one of the other acts paying. So I try and do that now. I try and pay it forward and go, I'll get dinner. I'll yeah, get, yeah. you know, if someone's newer. But the first thing I would say is drive. Then you can be, you can ensure your own safety getting to and from gigs. You don't and have to And also help go- other
1: women as well. You can carpool as well.
2: You carpool, share lifts, do that, you know, and then that way you, you're not reliant on staying with a promoter that you don't know in their house because that's a thing that went on for a long time. And then sometimes it's not helpful to to apply, I guess, uh, blanket rules because it could be a woman who's a promoter who's like, I've got spare room, you know, and that's very different to the sleazy guy who's like, listen, uh, you're going to you
1: be can stay there. You can stay with my mama at the Northern Hates Hotel. Did you say Norman Hates? <laughs> Yeah, but no one hates. It's a kind of a uh, yeah. It's it's it's, it's 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 an homage hotel, and that's why. But you'll it, be fine. We got towels and all the towels you need.
2: Yeah, learn to drive. It's uh the next thing is I'd love to learn how to fly a plane. I don't know how uh, doable that is, but you know, it's still time. I wanna, if there
1: is still time,
2: a boat or a plane or something else. So learn to drive. Um, I would say it, the landscape has changed dramatically with, with clubs where I look at, like, the comedy store, mm. which for a long time, and I think the two Simons there have really done some, like, real legwork in right. kind of, you know, making the Bills, not j- but, like, diverse as well. Yeah, But, like, I mean, I remember Bills, like, it, even going back sort of probably five or six years, yeah. seeing Bills that it was just – not just, like, you know, white straight dudes, but, like, of a certain age and sometimes – you you know, so you go, Oh, there's not even a mix of viewpoints. I've just got middle class, middle aged, white dudes, five of them. Yeah. And if you if you're lucky you might, you know, like women, uh, you know like
1: maybe three maybe, maybe it, three women from that roster that might be doing comparing in between that as well.
0: Yeah. And it, yeah, and, yeah. E-
1: and even and even and a lot of time even when you just said diversity, it was largely down to tenure rather than being meritocratic and uh it's definitely yes. changed a lot the comedy stores. Aesthetic has changed considerably. And I think it's, like I said, I think it's the two simons have recognised that, you know, audiences have changed. Audiences have evolved. Audiences have changed as well. And so what's being offered has to reflect that. And, uh, yeah.
2: And Don as well. I think yeah. Don Don is like, you know, at the end of the day, he's a businessman. Yeah. He's seeing who wants to come to comedy now. And I think if if someone like Don can change his mindset on that, I think that's quite, you know... But but he's been in the industry for a long long time and it was a certain way for a long time. Yeah. So so I am seeing stuff like that. I did. I was on doing a weekend and Helen Bauer was doing her first weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think you know Helen had done maybe one Edinburgh at this point, um, and she's fantastically funny. And of course she should. But I just remember the amount of hoops. That I kept having to jump through, and then like being on TV, and then going, oh, actually now I'm touring my own shows. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know, uh, so that's that's a huge change there. What what other pieces of advice would I give? I would say run your own nights. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think Old Rope has, in some ways, you know, I I learnt how to be good in quite a bright glare, which means sometimes people form opinions of what you're like as comics when you're developing and coming through and learning and you've got eyes on you and you're like, you know, everyone needs that chance to to grow into the comic they're going to be. But I think if you run your own nights and you run your own gigs and then that way you're not, Look, we all got into comedy because we didn't want to have a boss. Yeah, <laughs> like, we all wanted to be our own bosses. And then at some point in comedy, a lot of them—not all of them, but a lot of them—turned into these little fiefdoms where mm-hmm. one person's opinion of you, and just if they took a dislike to you, or like, yeah, no, 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 um, we don't, we don't book black people, yeah. we don't book women, we don't, you know, like, or you know, for, for whatever reason, that then you're su- all of a sudden. Not able to play a club or a series of clubs because one person, all of these little mini bosses. Yeah, and I think the way to get around that is to have your own night in your own room and your own rules, where you go, "I'm going to build an audience who come to see the sort of comics that I love." And
0: I hope that's your night is now one of the most beloved nights in London. It's uh, been running for how long now, Tiff?
2: Oh, like. Uh, 15, 15 years, maybe wow. a bit longer.
0: Well
2: done, yeah. Mate. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And then, so that's sort of what I tried to do with that and go, I also, when it's my show, I get to set the tone of the room. I get to say what the mm. rules are. I get to make the vibe. And originally, you know, it being Phil and Carrie, when Phil and Carrie were doing Old Rope, it was just comics watching other comics really. And then I sort of built it into, you know, having its audience and having its people um, and so I would say, yeah, that's are, that's the first piece advice. Run your own night,
0: Drive to the drive yourself to the gigs. Those are yes, very good. Drive answers. yourself
2: to gig. And the third piece of, information. I reckon I can chuck a,
0: a nugget in here, Tiff. As, as okay. cause I can you all okay. potentially agree? And then it also applies to not just young female kind. I think it applies to a lot of people in the creative industries. Which is when when things are starting to go well, remember you don't have to do everything that everyone offers you. Because I think that is one of the most awkward elements that I witness in this business is when I'm maybe meeting someone who's i think's got you know real ability and you and then you can just see they're quickly not really certain about what they should be doing because the offers that are coming there's so many of them they don't know whether they're going to come again. And, and you, yeah. you know, you both guys, you both, you guys have had, you know, fantastic careers. But there's times I'm sure where you go, oh, I should have just told that t- person to fuck off. I didn't really like that idea anyway, or whatever. You know, there's times saying
2: no is powerful. Saying no yeah, can be really, really powerful.
1: I mean, my, my career—that's my career as well, because I, I had to co-found my own agency because I didn't like the terms under which uh, a lot of representation was talking and what they uh, had the intentions they had for my career. And the work I was doing. And some so, of the
0: fuckers uh, would say, We've already got a black act, if I remember correctly, Dane. And I yeah, could potentially either. name who that person was, but I don't really want this show to get sued. I mean <laughs> Oh,
2: I had a um I I met with an with an agent once, had a meeting with an agent, again, we won't say the name, who basically uh basically went, I've just signed this person. I went, So you're saying you've got a woman?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but there were five guys on that on that roster from the same area of the UK.
1: It's an interesting point because now it explains why you're seeing this kind of homogenised, polarised comedy because so many agents are more interested in satisfying this political identification and fitting people into slots that serve demographics rather than letting the art itself flourish and people finding out things they'd like, things they wouldn't like, because like I said, the landscape has changed significantly and fast forwarding like maybe eight years after that agency was like, we've already got a black act. Now, most agencies have acts that are doing amazingly well and uh, appearing in, uh, you know, broadcast media and digital media all the time. And so, you know, if you want to get on board of targeting younger audiences to not have black acts or not to consider that aspect of comedy, you're doing it at your own detriment nowadays. So it just shows you what happens they were.
2: saying is powerful also creating your own sort of platforms and ownership like Dane was saying there but like your own email list your mm. own kind of social medias your own following that still be links to the live
0: of... night as well that kind of still links to that really in a way yeah isn't it, it, Tiff? cultivating
2: it, it, yeah. your own your own stuff is powerful I think because you know listen it comes I think it was Simon Munnery He said there's a great quote of Simon Munnery where he says comedy is not a race it's a dance yeah and it really is yeah, and it's so good. it's easy to get caught up in that. Am I going to get this thing? Am I going to get this bit of TV? Am I going to do this? And sometimes if you're new, you you get into this arrested development Mm. where you are not like, you know, and and TV doves often quite often like new people because they get to go, you need to do it like this. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to, again, like developed acts with viewpoints and ideas who might be like, I actually want to do it like this. And, and you want to do it like this. So let's find a compromise where we can do it, you know. Uh, and sometimes I'm sure it's easier to just go plonk. They don't know. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we'll just get them and tell them it's this. I think so- it's a
0: really good mix of advice for people listening and um, it's been a very very yeah. entertaining show is not it dane we've covered a lot of ground with tiff which we would expect from such a
1: so, tiff it sounds like you need to do a book regarding advice yeah, to comments on the yeah, rise or, or at least at least the news consider.
2: i will do a book someone i was going to say someone publish it maybe i just publish it myself there you
1: go exactly um, do like you i yourself.
2: i my um writing men like bad male authors write women i think i'm gonna do a little booklet Just
1: because yeah, 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 yeah.
2: i think um you know um it's people you know i'll give you something to read on the bog whether it's advice or whether it's funny descriptions i think um, listen
1: i think all toilet based literature is the way forward because you know people are definitely going to read it so if i was to write a book as well i'd want it to be the only one i want people to write on the bog as well um, call it
2: This is for the shitter.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: We uh, <laughs> we we have enjoyed having you again, Tiff. You did our first live show many many moons ago. Yes, I loved yeah, it. That was, yeah, fun. that was fun. But it's so nice to have you back on the show, and uh, it's been a,
1: it's been a good one, right, Dane? Absolutely. Which is obviously to no surprise to us, Tiffany. It's always a pleasure having you on the show, um, and uh, again, we do make it a point of principle to give you our flowers. And uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll see you myself personally in July um and uh do yes. some old rope as well but until yes. then um can you let our listeners know where they can find out about your current works and also past and future coming work
2: um so my new show sexy brain is going to be at the edinburgh fringe um and i'll be at the pleasant's at eight o'clock for the whole month so come see that it might be the last one i do for a while so um i'm doing this and then i'll 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 probably take it out on the road, but yes, I will. Having had like a few years break, Mm. which felt quite nice. Mm. It feels like trying to do Edinburgh every year or even every other year feels like a sort of mad endeavor. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it I'm excited about it I have I am on TikTok where I do lots of my writing men videos and there's lots of clips of my stand up so if you're interested in that you can go find me there or Twitter at Tiff Stevenson what else have I got I've got a film coming out later in the year but I don't know it's a comedy horror but I don't know the exact release date of it so if you if you go onto my socials you'll, you'll be able to find all of that there um also mother which we are recording which was my last show which is all about being a stepmom that will be coming out as well so i have news on that fairly soon so just yeah the best way to find out what i'm up to is go across the socials i have a website it hasn't been updated since brexit i'll be honest Um.
0: (laughs) those two things are linked Uh, yes (laughs) tiff good luck with the show mate good luck with the show it's fucking oh going up for that month again eh? hey blimey uh,
2: yeah oh and Old Rope yes come to Old come Rope to old and hopefully rope. Dane will be on our next one is a daytime show uh, July the 10th which we've already got some really exciting people on the bill for so um, I'm hoping Dane as well maybe thank you so Lots much Tiffany for coming on the show. always you. a
1: pleasure supporting the podcast and uh, good luck with the show and uh, yeah I'll, we'll catch you very soon cheers You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything hosted
0: by Dane Baptiste and myself Howard Cohen Our guest was Tiff Stevenson You can follow Tiff on Instagram at Tiff Stevenson Comic For more from Dane and myself make sure you follow us on Instagram at Dane and at the Howard Cohen Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts If you have a question for Dane make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at dbqe podcast and we could feature you in our next episode thanks for listening guys and remember question everything insanity
2: group